rotates. 360 degrees. High high. 360 degrees. High high. 306. 306. 360 degrees. High high. Buenas noches. Tonight on Full Circle, we spend some time with our local community heroes, men and women from the Bay Area communities that we are from, whose contributions we see the results of every day as we walk down our streets and witness in our world. You'll be hearing from our own Free Will and Frank as he talks with veteran Code Pink activist Toby Blume. My co-host, Sakia, talks with the arts editor of San Francisco Bayview newspaper, journalist extraordinaire, Wanda Sabir. And we listen to the music of one of our favorite band of community heroes, Los Ensontles. All this, as well as a few other stories of our local community heroes tonight on Full Circle. So stay with us. Welcome back. You're listening to Full Circle, your cultural affairs radio program. And we are your hosts. I am Zakia, G.E.K. Part. Yo soy Josiah Luis. Tonight on our show, we are going to be spending some time with our heroes and sheroes. For that matter... Wait, so, so Zaki, by heroes, you're talking about people like uh, Bruce Willis in the Die Hard movies or uh, Tom Cruise in uh, just about anything? Not at all, Josiah. Oh, man. The heroes that we are going to be spending time with are not from the big screen. Oh. These are heroes of our own neighborhoods, men and women from right here in the Bay Area, who have taught us how to strengthen and preserve ourselves and our communities. So no bombs, no guns? Nope. Josiah, these heroes of ours are armed with knowledge and song instead of bullets and bombs. Mm. But even still, their impact in the community can have the same explosive effect as any bomb. Well, I am intrigued, Zakia. We're going to start tonight's show with a conversation that our own Ron Thompson had with Ellen Swiddles, a woman whose story Ron considers worth sharing with us. Let's have a listen. My name is Ron Thompson, and I'd like to start this segment saying that I have a T-shirt that says, Be a Hero. Now, whenever I see this shirt, whether I'm going to wear it or not, it gives me pause to wonder, just what is a hero? Just what does a hero look, walk, talk, or act like? Is it the look of one of those old comic book characters like Batman or Superman who saves the city from some menacing, imposing, and looming danger, or what? As we talk about heroes, I would like to introduce you to a Shiro, a small, unassuming woman with a big, caring, sharing heart. 
a woman who understands that it takes a village to raise a child, and came out of her hut to look around and see where she could be effective and make a change. A lady who realizes that relationships have the power to transform lives. And that's what she did in the life of a young lady in the Bay Area city of Oakland, California. This is our session on Community Heroes. Today we have with us Ellen Switzy is part of the YMCA Mentor Program. Right now she's doing something very exceptional in the community. Ellen, tell us what you're doing in the community, please. I inquired about a big sister type of program through the YMCA Mentor Program. And before I knew it, I had been assigned a girl to be uh, in a mentor relationship. I was interested in doing this because my older sister had been a big sister in New Hampshire and had made a gigantic impact on the life of a young woman uh, that she had worked with. And I was always interested in doing this myself. And when the YMCA program came to my attention, I inquired and before I knew it, I was paired up with a little girl. She was 10 at the time. We've been together ever since. She's now 15 and I see her about once a week. About once a week. That's great. Ellen tells why she likes mentoring and encourages others to do the same. Well, the mentor program, at least I saw it as an opportunity to really expand her horizons. Uh, she lives in a poor family. The family is often homeless, and she has limited resources and limited opportunities and options. So she and I have done all kinds of things. As you would imagine, we've gone bowling and to the movies, but we've also done more unusual things like gone to fashion shows and uh, taken the ferry boat, things that she wouldn't normally have a chance to see or do. Also, I've helped her uh, and her family to provide an opportunity for summer camp by applying for a scholarship for her, which her family wouldn't have had the wherewithal to do themselves. So she's gone to summer camp every summer for the past four years. This is an opportunity for her to go into a totally different environment where the children who are there come from families that can afford to send them. And so she's meeting people that she would normally not meet. She's having uh, friendships that she doesn't have an opportunity for during the school year. She's had a little romance. So it's been really nice for her. In addition to that, I've helped her apply to high school. She, the family has had some history of missing the children, missing school. And so I've been working with the mother and with uh, my little girl and her sister to make sure that they're at school every day. And we also uh, were interested in her going to a high school where everybody graduated and the expectations were that the children would go to college. So this is a tremendous opportunity. She has a scholarship at a high, private high school and she's been doing fine. It sounds like you, you've been dealing with this young lady for more than just recently. Yes, it's been about five years. Ellen really takes to heart the phrase that takes a village to raise a child and employs others as well in her involvement with their activities. Uh, let me say that I don't do this all by myself. Uh, she and I started together, but there are a lot of friends who've participated in our my mentor relationship with this little girl. Actually, this little girl is no longer so little. She's 15. She's bigger than me. But I think of her as a little girl. It's in my own children are grown and gone. My grandchildren live far away. Um, 
for me, this is an opportunity to have a relationship with a child I like. Uh, it's been fun. I've, you know, learned things about teenagers that I had long forgotten or never knew. But as I said, many people have participated in this mentor relationship. There are a number of people, both people that I know and friends of those people that I know, who've contributed money, who've contributed equipment, camping gear for her to go to camp, uh, funds for her to uh, get to camp. Somebody said, what can I buy her for Christmas, my office mate? And so now she has a pair of boots for the winter. Uh, another friend said, does she need any clothes? I said, how about shoes? So now she has a new pair of shoes. So there's been an incredible number of people who have uh, supported this mentor relationship. How can you personally gauge that this young lady is benefiting and enjoying your relationship? Well, every Saturday or Friday, I say, do you want to get together tomorrow? And she always says yes. Recently, we've been planning every week to go to a movie or to go bowling. And we've never made it because when I pick her up, she says, I have homework to do. Can we go to the library? So is that incredible or what? So uh, I've been helping her with some of her homework, something her family is not prepared to do or able to do. So I've just been so impressed that now that she's in high school, she's been a conscientious student and um, cares about getting her homework done. So it's wonderful. And what grade is she in high school? So this is her first year of high school. Uh, so she's a freshman. Uh, she's at a private school on a scholarship. Uh, friends have helped uh, buy her school uniforms, have helped provide lunch money for her, have helped with transportation costs, uh, with um, spending money. Somebody in my Tai Chi class gave me $20. She said, this little girl needs some spending money. I was like, wow, how thoughtful of her since... The little girl has no spending money of her own. Another interesting activity we've involved in, I have a friend who's a dance teacher in a high school in Danville, and she has invited uh, me and my little girl and her sister to come to a dance rehearsal. And when we got there, the students in these dance classes had collected clothes for these two little girls, a whole trunk full of clothes, really nice things. And uh, the dance students were so welcoming. We watched the rehearsal and took home this big package of clothes. So the girls now have <laughs> some wonderful clothes. Uh, it was just so thoughtful. Uh, they were welcomed. The girls hugged them. And, uh, and then they were quite impressed with the dance concert. So that's a kind of community involvement that friends of mine have arranged for my little girl, my mentee. Very good. It seems like it's rewarding you just as much as well. Well, I wouldn't be doing this if I didn't like this girl. I do. I care about her. Uh, I care about her sisters and her family. Uh, I'd love to find a mentor for the younger sister. Uh, so far, that hasn't happened, but sometimes she comes with us anyway. So, yeah, it's, I wouldn't, as I said, I wouldn't be doing this if I didn't like her. And uh, I find this rewarding myself. You're doing this through the YMCA mentor program. Tell us a little bit about your background, please. Oh, me, I come from Boston. I am a chemist, 
or started life as a chemist and became a university administrator. And I'm now retired and work part-time um, with a program at the University of California, Berkeley, taking uh, visitors from, inter- from other countries who are interested in university governance. So this week I have a group from China, 25 Chinese visitors, and I prepare a program for them. Uh, so I have an opportunity to meet people from all over the world. It's been terrific uh, retirement job for me. Ellen tells why she likes mentoring and encourages others to do the same. Is this your first involvement with the YMCA mentor program? Yes. In fact, the mentor program itself in Oakland has sort of faded away. And my little girl and I are pretty much on our own at this point. Um, But I've been involved with the YMCA in Oakland for years and years and years. And it's been an excellent community for me and that Ron as well, I know. Yes, I agree about the YMCA. (laughs) I'm not sure about the mentoring program. I was introduced to it to it through you. Uh, well, perhaps you'd be interested in mentoring a little boy. I am working on some things on a big brother level, as we think. Ah, perfect. That's exactly the right kind of program. As I said when we started, uh, my older sister had been a mentor through the Big Sister program and um, really t- dramatically changed the life of this young woman. Uh, at, the, at my sister's funeral, I met this woman again after... Some years, she'd been a young girl when I first met her. She now has a master's degree and is happily married. And uh, I know her fate prior to the Big Sister program, without my sister's involvement, would have been very, very different. So I was really impressed with that and decided that I would do this myself. And it's been quite rewarding. Very good. Ellen, thank you so much. We're going to check in with you on a later date to find out how you and your mentee are doing, if that's okay. We're hoping for a high school graduation. Okay. Next step. Thank you. Very good. Very good. Very good. Ellen, thank you so much for coming and talking with us. Thank you. You got a friend in me. Thank you, Ron. It's been a pleasure to be here. You've got a friend in me. When the road looks rough ahead And you're miles and miles from your nice warm bed You just remember what your past said Or you got a friend in me Yeah, you got a friend in me You got a friend in me Simon que si, you got a friend in me. You just heard our own Ron Thompson talking with a local community hero, Ellen Swiddles. In case you're just joining us tonight on Full Circle, we're introducing you to some of our neighborhood heroes. You're listening to... That's right, Josiah. Now we're going to take a short musical break with some of our favorite group of neighborhood heroes. Los Sensondles.
That's right, Zakia. And uh, for those of you that have not heard of the Los Sonless, you're in for real treat. Not only are they an amazing band from around here that mixes elements of uh, Mexican folk music with rock and roll, blues, and in their new album, they actually have some Zydeco, actually quite a lot of Zydeco. But in addition to that, they're also a cultural organization that's been around uh, for close to 20 years with a space located over there on San Pablo Avenue in El Cerrito where they have performances and teach children of all ages how to play the various rhythms of Latin America from classical corridos to son jarrocho. Wow, Josiah, that sounds amazing. And before we get into another music I'd like to just say to our listeners out there, they should know that um, they should stay tuned for a very special announcement. Yes, yes. From Alas Sensandles. So, don't you touch that dial. Don't touch that dial. That's right, Zakia. We're not going to play you a song off Los Sensandles' new album, Shades of Brown. Maybe some of you were at the uh, record release party a few weeks ago over at the Freight and Salvage and heard the album, but this album is an amazing musical collaboration with David Hidalgo of Los Lobos and Zadiko star Andre Theory. The song we're going to play for you is, appropriately enough, The Richmond Blues.
You're listening to Full Circle on 94.1 KPFA. And that was the Bay Area's own beloved, Los Sunless. With Richmond Blues, that song was off their new album, Shades of Brown which was just released a few weeks ago. If you like what you heard, stay tuned because we're going to be playing more of their new album on this episode of Full Circle, where we are featuring our favorite community heroes. Now, before the break, we were talking a little bit about Los Sensontles and their organization, which has been teaching children of all ages Latin American music for 20 years now. They truly are our favorite Local community hero band. <laughs> Don't you think, Zakia? I think so. That was really some nice music. Really sharp. Men and women who have made an impact on our communities. And uh, now you, if you enjoyed what you just heard from Los Sensoundless, stay tuned because we have more music for you from their new album entitled Shades of Brown. But first, what we're going to do is uh, we're going to listen to a conversation that my co-host Zakia had with uh, Wanda Sabir, who is a multidisciplinary journalist and arts editor at the San Francisco Bay View newspaper. And uh, first, we'll probably present a short bio on Wanda Sabir. You want to tell some of our listeners out there uh, who she is, Zakia, if they don't know. I sure do, because she's an awesome woman and one of my heroes in the Bay Area. Shiro. Yes, you're absolutely (laughs) right. She is a Shiro. (laughs) Wanda Sabir, Wanda Sabir is a race woman, a warrior who uses her pen as her weapon. She is a poet, essayist arts editor and senior writer at the San Francisco Bay View newspaper. She is also a community organizer of numerous family literary events in the San Francisco Bay Area, as well as what she calls poetic protests for social justice for Mumia Abu-Jamal, South Central L.A. after the rebellion, and more recently, Miafa Hurricane Katrina. She is a prison abolitionist, board member of of California Coalition for Women Prisoners, tenured professor, mother, and grandmother. Wow. Welcome to Full Circle, Wanda Sabir. Wanda, are you there? We're, uh, bear with us for a few moments, our dear listeners. We're getting uh, Wanda on the phone and, uh... It sounds like we might be having a little technical difficulty. Little technical difficulties is what live radio is all about. Absolutely. So Not bear to worry, with us. though. We have several community heroes in the booth taking care of it right now. <laughs> Absolutely. I think and I hear I Wanda some giggling, on the line. So we got her on the line. Oh, yeah. Hello, Wanda. Hello, Wanda. How are you? How are you? Oh, excellent. Uh, absolutely excellent. So glad to, to have you on Full Circle tonight. Oh, it's my my honor to be recognized like this. I'm really, I really appreciate it. Um, I'm kind of embarrassed, but it's just wonderful that you think I'm your hero, Zakia. <laughs> <laughs> I do. Yeah, you're an awesome woman. So I would like to begin, Wonder, by um, asking you to comment on uh, what you mean by race woman. Oh, okay. Well, I take that from um, from the Honorable Marcus Mosiah Garvey. He called himself a race man. Mm-hmm. And by that he meant that he, he loved black people, uh, black people within the diaspora. 
Um, and a lot of people took that to mean that, um, you know, he was a racist. But, no, it was to love your own people doesn't mean that you dislike other people. It means that you spend your energies and your time and your 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 focus on how to uplift your nation. And, and that's what he did. You know, he's known for the... Um, uh, the Pan-African flag, the red, black, and green, uh, as well as uh, the whole notion of self-determination and um, and connecting people in the diaspora back to the motherland, Africa. Um, he said, up you mighty nation, you can accomplish what you will. And so it's like I take a lot of inspiration from him. And I actually, uh, my younger daughter and I were so privileged to be able to go visit his his home in Jamaica, um, St. Anne's, um, and uh, and see his house where he grew up and the library that's named after him. It was just really a wonderful pilgrimage. And the United, it's the Universal Negro Improvement Association African Communities League had its centennial celebration last year. It's 100 years old now. Wow. Okay. So what did you and your daughter go to visit? Oh, when we went to, uh, to Jamaica. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, what year was that? That was, hmm, it was quite a while ago it was a, when uh, I was working on my... Uh, my uh, master's degree, uh, one of my classmates, um, uh, Mark Jones, he was becoming uh, a priest, and um, and he was being, um, what do you call it when you become a priest? Um, ordained. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like the right word. <laughs> yeah, and so he, he invited us, like, oh, let's go, and so we did. It was our first time out of the country. It was really wonderful. Jamaica's like being in Africa. Yeah, how exciting. Jamaica is like being in Africa. I've gone a few times, and, and I'm yearning to get back there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I was also interested um, in knowing, uh, I know that you have a very, very interesting beginning as a journalist. Can you share a little bit about um, your journalistic beginnings with us? Uh, maybe my writing. Um, I, I came from a really, really wonderful family. Uh, my parents really encouraged uh, both my brother and I to, to read and to write, and there were so many books around the house. I grew up in San Francisco and um, all over the place. We we came here from New Orleans, and so everyone stops off in uh, what we then called the Fillmore. <laughs> oh yeah, mm, yeah. <laughs> and that was that was like black, you know, black San Francisco. I don't know what is now. You know, it's, it's real different. But um, so you were uh, there in the Fillmore when you know uh, mm-hmm. from the beginning, early sixties. Yeah, 60s. something that I know nothing about. <laughs> being from New York, and so I missed that. But uh, mm-hmm. well, yeah. you know Harlem, though, right? When oh, I black. sure do. Yeah, <laughs> similar story. Similar story. Okay. Yeah. So I, I wrote. Um, I wrote my first poem, and it was published in when I was uh, at um, El Dorado Elementary School. Um, that's in the Visitation Valley uh, area of San Francisco. And it was called Life is Nature, Nature is Life. And uh, so that was my experience being published. However, um, growing up in the Nation of Islam, uh, I did a whole lot of writing. And I think I developed like a newsletter for the vanguards, which were like um, the, uh, I guess you might call us the cadets if you were thinking Girl Scouts. Okay. <laughs> yeah, because if you if you know anything about the Nation of Islam, it was very disciplined. And very. so we had, you know, we did, we uh, we drilled, we did, we did martial arts, we learned about how to be secure. Um, we were really disciplined and it was, you know, really good for both one's mind and, and one's life. And we also, you know, fasted and, you know, sort of learned to not be 
to sort of live in moderation. Mm-hmm. And, and so um, when we, we moved a lot when I was a kid. So from Visitation Valley, we moved to Ingleside. And when we lived in the uh, Oakland Merced, Ingleside area of San Francisco, which is city colleges in that area, um, I lived, we lived across the street from the news. Uh, the newspaper that was for that particular neighborhood and and they let me actually um, learn how to do layout and because they actually printed it on a printer you know so so it wasn't like on a computer like things are now so you could actually make a mistake because you had to set the do the typeset with the with the with the actual type and so that Mm. was kind of fun so um, so that's how I learned how to you know sort of publish or you know, actually print papers, but I've been writing, writing all of my life and, um, you know, all kinds of writing, journalism. When I was in junior high, I wrote plays and, and they were performed and I wrote speeches and, and, you know, I continue to write because I teach writing. Um, and, That's right. Yeah. You're ref- you are a tenured professor at an Alameda college. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, but you teach English there. Uh, English composition. Uh huh. Yeah. Well, so um, I also like to know. Um, I know that you write uh, for the San Francisco Bayview newspaper, mm-hmm. and I was interested in knowing what type of articles uh, that you write for the newspaper. Uh, well, well, my beat is art and culture because I believe that the artists are the true revolutionaries, and. I remember when we we had a conversation uh, a couple of weeks ago, I I told you that how I got into journalism, (laughs) you know, no one wants to just write for themselves, right? Um, (laughs) That I I had sent a letter to the editor and got published in the op-ed section of the Oakland Tribune where I had a, yeah. I remember, that was a very interesting story. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I was having trouble being a single parent with my older daughter who was pushing all the limits as the title of your um. Full circle, right? Mm-hmm, that's right. <laughs> Full circle. She must have been a teenager. Yes, she was a teenager, typical <laughs> one. And and so I wrote a letter asking for some help and got a whole lot of great calls back too, as well. Um, the uh, Doctor Staggers, who I think he was really instrumental in the founding of the West Oakland Mental Health um, uh, Clinic. He he actually offered to help me, and that was really wonderful. I never forget that, and because uh, I I was living in I raised my children in West Oakland, okay, and uh, and so after that I would I submitted all kinds of um, letters to the editor, and and they got published, and I was like so exciting. I wrote about romance fiction and all kinds of things, and they would get published, and and then when Paul Cobb, uh, who is the uh, publisher of the Post News. Uh, um, Post News Organization, because you know they have Post, the Post, Oakland Post is everywhere. Um, he was going to be uh, on the school board, and so there was a conflict of interest. And he had the Good News column, and and he, um, I don't know if he, he offered it to me directly or Brenda Payton told the editor to get in touch with me. I don't know how it actually worked. I don't remember the history, but I ended up. He ended up letting me take over his column. That's amazing. Yeah, it was so, so cool. And and before that, I had been um, sort of freelancing um, with all the black papers as well as the other community papers. So I had, I was sending one article to uh, (laughs) the... um, uh, the Bayview, I was sent it to the Post, I was sent it to the Sun Reporter, uh, I was sent it to the Montclarian, I was sent it, and I, I sent it everywhere. And so you were making sure that 
your article was published. Well, I wanted somebody to pick it up. Yeah, right? that was very smart. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but what, what was so funny is I, I wouldn't know sometimes who published me until people would like say, you know, I was reading this really good article, Wanda, and I was really getting into it, and I looked up to see whose byline was in. It was you, and I'm like, oh, what paper was that? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. So you had a very um, humble and and, and be- beginning. And you have blossomed in such, and to be such a wonderful journalist, I am and really happy to to know you. Um, so I, I wanted to move along a little bit here and just uh, have you to talk a little bit about your poetic protests for mm-hmm. social justice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I just want to mention that. Um you know, a good writer is only as good as a great editor, and I just want to put a plug in for my first great editor at the Tribune. He was fabulous, and um, and then when I was a columnist, you know, and I had the good news, um, I had two great editors, um, Leanne and um, um, and uh, gosh, I'm drawing a blank on the same. He's gonna kill me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, but I had some really great editors, and and and. Uh, they made me look really good uh, while I grew into um, the writing and, and the different styles, you know, for journalistic writing. So I um, just want to give credit to them for, for helping me look good and to helping me polish my craft. Um, really, really happy about that. Um, with regards to the uh, the poetic protest, uh, I had some really good friends that used to live in the area, and and their poets and also uh, people that like uh, Kim McMillan, who is just a wonderful cultural arts um, icon. She, she's a playwright um, by genre, but she is really good at convening um, people around around issues. And so uh, my friend Carla Brandish, who now lives overseas, I think she's in uh, uh, Sierra Leone. She's teaching there. She's been there for a number of years now. Uh, we would we get together. I'd have like, oh, we have to do something about, you know, what happened in L.A. And I don't know how I came up with the idea of poetic protest, but since I'm a poet, um, then it, it had to be poetic, you know, it had, had to have poets, you know, as, as central to the protest. And uh, I didn't want to call it a reading. I understand. And, so, yeah, yeah. You know, so, Wanda, we, yeah. We, we're running okay. a little out of time, and, and I really want you to talk a little bit about... Um, your uh, prison abolitionist uh, being on the board for the uh, Coalition for Women Prisoners, and I know there's an event coming up tomorrow. And yes. so, um, and to wrap up, um, if you could uh, share some of that information and uh, give the listeners um, also your uh, contact information. Sure, sure. Yeah, the California Coalition for Women Prisoners is having its 20th anniversary celebration tomorrow, and it's going to be at the Women's Building in San Francisco at 7 o'clock in the evening, and that's at 3543 18th Street, and uh, for information, go to womenprisoners.org. Um, I think today is the last day to get your tickets in advance. Um, uh, $20 in advance and 25 at the door, but no one's turned away for lack of funds. And I want to let people know that I have a radio show as well. Oh, yes, that's right. I've been on right. the air for, since 2008, and it's called Wanda's Ticks, W-A-N-D-A-S-P-I-C-K-S. And you can just go to my website, wandasticks.com, and you can find out about the, the radio show as well as see, um, you know, what I suggest that people check out. Um, it's always revolutionary. It's always uh, around social change. And, um, yeah, so if you want to keep up with me, I'm also on Facebook, but 
my website is really a, the best bet. Okay, we're going to have to leave it there. Okay. Wanda Saber, uh, thank you so much for being our guest here on Full Circle tonight. You're welcome. This is KPFA 94.1 on your FM dial. And you were just listening to a conversation that my co-host Zakia had with journalist extraordinaire Wanda Sabir. Mm-hmm. And if uh, you are all this interested in uh, attending the event she was speaking about, you can find the information at womenprisoners.org. The event is tomorrow at the Women's Building in the Mission. Thank you, Josiah. What an amazing woman. So we're going to take a short musical break. And uh, listen to some more music about oh our oh yes about our favorite musicians tonight, Lawson Sundlitz. Um Also, uh, this cut will be from their new album, Shades of Brown. And when we come back, J.C. Howard talks with one of our own community heroes, and uh, our free Willing Franklin talks with Code Pink, Shiro, and activist Toby Blome. Stay tuned. was another song of Lost and Sunless from their new album, Shades of Brown. The song was that we just played was La Luna, La Luna y las Estrellas. Thank, thank you, Josiah. Oh, no problem, Vicky. That's what I'm here for. <laughs> so, Spanglish um, interpretations. <laughs> wonderful. <laughs> Up next, our very own J.C. Howard talks with one of his favorite community heroes. Hey. 
always hear about the bad guys lurking in the shadows, ne'er-do-well villains looking to do harm, attacking, and seeking whom they may devour. But villains aren't the only ones who lurk in the shadows. There are a few heroes that do as well. One hero who lurks in the shadows does so right here at KPFA. His name is Frank, or as you all know him, Free Will and Franklin Sterling. That's right, Frank. This piece is about you. You see, Frank is in the studio right now as this piece goes out live on air. Frank is our technical director, so he listens to all of our pieces before they hit air. And when he listened to this one, it was about a fictional person named Fernie Strobel. But we here at Full Circle would like to honor one of our own, Franklin Sterling. Our group of producers, Kuomba Voses, we started the apprenticeship program last year in about June. And not even six weeks into the program, we could rack our brains about a technical issue. How to do this editing in SoundForge. What tool does what in Adobe Audition? Which microphone is best for this? How to do that on the board? And we would stand around for many minutes until finally the light bulb would come on and we'd realize and say with an air of relief, eh, Frank will know. We'd ask him and sure enough, Frank knew and he would take the time to explain it to us. One of tonight's hosts, Josiah Luis, had some words to say, as did a few other of the members of our group. Yeah, I just want to say that when I came to the station, I knew less than nothing about computers and technology and all the other stuff that you plug in this day and age. And Frank was nothing but patient. He sat and taught me and re-taught me and re-re-re-taught me. And never was there a frown on that man's face. Never was there anything but positive things coming out of his mouth. And that's a community hero right there. You're constantly putting other people's needs before your own. Getting to KPFA from Antioch on Fridays to board up or you're here all night at the station helping us out produce full circle and you're you're such an institutional staple of this place and I don't know what it would be like without you. I'd like to say I really appreciate you, Frank. I appreciate your caring nature. I appreciate how you assist a person and help them. I appreciate no matter how many times a person asks the same question, you graciously answer that question. Here at our station on Martin Luther King Jr. Way, outside the apprenticeship office, we have a hallway full of pictures. Vika and I, one of the producers here, we play this game where we walk through the halls and point out the many pictures of Frank that we see. Frank's been here for a long time, and there's lots of pictures of him. It's like a live game of Where's Waldo, and when we see a new one, we exclaim... There's Frank. But there's a reason that this is so deliciously fitting. It's because when we need something in real life, we don't have to look very far for the answer because there's Frank, right when you need him. There's Frank, with the solution that saves the day. There's Frank, to help give technical support. Frank provides just the right amount of production experience, conflict resolution, technical prowess, patience, and humor. In fact, it was he who, when this idea of doing a show about local community heroes was presented, he not only encouraged it, but he came up with a jingle that went something like, Local community heroes. That's Frank for you. He graduated from the apprenticeship program in 2007, and then he became our technical director. For nearly a decade, Frank has been here supporting apprentices and providing guidance for people who are cutting their teeth and learning the ropes in radio. 
He may be around a little less now because he's starting his own radio apprenticeship program in Antioch with Rivertown Community Radio called the Content Creators and Engineers Training Program. But his mark is still on this, the First Voice Training Program, and on KPFA as a whole. The day shift support of Layla Block and Junior Jackson, the advancement of KPFA's video streaming, his participation on the local station board. Frank is now and always will be a support to our program, whether he's physically here or not. Thank you, Frank. Thank you for being encouraging. Thank you for having our backs. And going to bat for us. Gracias for being patient. Muchas gracias, Frank. Just want to say thanks, Frank. Thank you, Frank. Thank you, Frank. Thank you, Frank, for being a... Local community <laughs> hero. That was our own J.C. Howard with a appreciation on our free will and Frank. He's our free will and Frank, <laughs> another local community hero. And we want to say uh, gracias to Sarah for providing us with some Frank theme music. And up next, it's uh, the fr- the Freeland Franklin community hero himself with a uh, talk that he had with local Code Pink activist Toby Blomay. All right. Thank you, everyone. I'm touched over here. That was a complete surprise. You guys snuck it in, and I didn't get to preview that, but it sounded great. Good job, you guys. I'm touched. And um, thank you. Thank you again. And, yes, I am here um, with another local community hero, Toby Blomay. And... Um, Bay Area Code Pink activist. Uh, welcome, Toby. Thank you very much, Frank. And thanks for coming in and um, being here. Uh, let me start by saying uh, just thank you for your struggle to spread peace in our communities. I know you work hard, and not just in our communities, but to spread peace um, basically around the world because you're like a tr- world traveler spreading peace. So um, for me and from KPFA and First Voice Apprentice and everybody else, thank you. I'm very endeared that you invited <laughs> me to be here today. Thank you so much. Well, we are honoring local community heroes, and you are one of my local community heroes. And um, earlier we talked, and you mentioned that you kind of got your start in activism in the 1980s nuclear, um, anti-nuclear movement, but that you really got started um, organizing and getting more involved as an organizer slash activist in the lead up to an eventual outbreak of the U.S. war with Iraq in 2003. Um, what was it that actually drove you to not just going out and protesting, but actually organizing well, many things, but one thing, um, I had an experience living in a Muslim country for a year. I was married to a Turkish man for 10 years, and we ultimately moved to Istanbul to live with my two kids. And um, so when I watched the many months before in the invasion of Iraq and sawing, seeing, witnessing all the propaganda in the media to justify this unjustifiable war... Um, my blood was just curdling inside, and I, I felt uh, a responsibility as a citizen to uh, get involved. Uh, I, I knew the um, unimaginable uh, suffering that was going to come out of this uh, occupation and invasion, and I just felt a, a great responsibility to, to try to stop it. Yeah, I think that was a changing point for a lot of people um, to wake up and see what was really happening. Even though they kind of did it sly, um, a lot of people, I think, woke up at that point. Yeah. Um, so I've known you for about five years now, and I've done many interviews with you, had you on other people's shows, and we talked about many topics. 
I've seen you in a lot of places. I'm just going to run through a short list um, of places I've either seen you that you were out there in support of or in some cases even an organizer in some way. So uh, I've seen you at uh, Chelsea Manning demonstrations, at drone bases, Beale, Creech, and probably others. Um, Senate hearings, Palestinian solidarity actions like block the boat, stop Zim ships. You do Golden Gate Bridge walks, camping outside of Nancy Pelosi's house, police brutality, Black Lives Matter demonstrations. You were part of a U.S. peace delegation to Pakistan. In all this, you've been arrested numerous times, but you also provide and organize court support for other arrestees. And that's just a small um, short list that I put together. It just goes on and on. But um, there's one thing that really stands out on the list in what I've noticed, and that is what you focus a lot of your time and energy on, and that's the struggle against the killer drones and remote control warfare. Um, What is it about the issue of drones that has you um, organizing annual trips to the the Nevada desert at the Gates of Creech Air Force Base or making the trip out to Beale Air Force Base here in California, or like I said, even traveling to Pakistan as part of a peace delegation. What is it about the drones that really, you know, gets your goat and makes you really want to be out there and do this? Well, I could probably talk for an hour about that, but in in, in short, um, witnessing the crimes that were committed in Guantanamo, the hundreds of people that were put in prison, uh, hauled for just ridiculous reasons and kept there for many years. Some of them are still there. Um, they've been cleared of wrongdoing and tortured. And uh, so this same government that could do such a horrendous thing now has the power to execute human beings. I It was very frightening to me that the U.S. would have that kind of power, not only that, but knowing its long history of abuse in countries all over the world. And uh, personally, I don't think any country in the world should have the power to assassinate or execute. Um, these are hundreds of years old principles that uh, there, uh, people have a right for a trial before they're convicted of any wrongdoing, and uh, let alone being executed. So, I, again, I just felt a huge responsibility. And then watching it very closely over the years and um, knowing that high numbers of civilians are being executed with this. It's not precision killing as our officials lie to us about. It's very indiscriminate killing. Um, and now I just heard, you know, I haven't been keeping up with the news every day, but I just heard that President Obama recently said that he's giving armed drones to Yemen and uh, what is that? You know, how many countries are going to have these armed drones and what, what kind of world are we creating with this? So it's, it's an urgent crisis that we need to get involved with. I hope it, the, the movement is growing, but not as fast as I'd like it to be. And to me, it was really touching um, a way to get uh, not a way to get involved, but it was something I wanted to get involved in because growing up with the Terminator movies, it kind of freaked me out that they actually have the hunter killers out there. There's yeah. drones that will just find you and remotely can. Um, take you out. Um, so, well, let me thank you one more time again, uh, Toby, for all your efforts in the waging of peace. And while I'm thanking you, I'd also like to um, thank your family. You have some family here. I know you have um, Fred at home. Um, so let me thank them for being a supportive and understanding family because we know that working like this takes a lot of time, takes a lot of effort, and takes a lot of attention away from uh, other family members and stuff that could be happening. And um, I want um, I'm so glad you said that, Frank, because <laughs> I just want to say this on the air. 
I could not do this work without the support of my husband. He has been an incredible human being to share a life with. And uh, recently went down to Creech Air Force Base for a week of protest. And he just came forward in the preparation and did everything that needed to be done without me asking. Uh, I just uh, feel forever grateful every day for him. And for my daughter, who gives me lots of loving support as well. And I think sometimes people forget how important it is to have a supporting family and that uh, a lot of this work that you do, you know, how long it takes you to do that and that it it's a struggle, you know, to maintain a life and to be um, a person, but also not to get bogged down and burnt out. Um, but while I'm thinking you, I want to reach over here. Excuse me, folks. And um, I have a plaque here. Oh, my That goodness. we put together for you. And on the plaque, it says uh, First Force Media recognizes... Um, don't forget that their mics are on over there. Um, on the cover, it says First Voice Media recognizes Toby Blomay as a local community hero for her unrelenting pursuit of peace. May it soon be upon us. And then it has the date today. Oh, and this God. is for you, so for all beautiful. the work you do. Thank you so much, Franklin. So um, thank you again for that. And um, I love the image of the shut down, the big shutdown Creech banner with all my activist friends behind it. Thank you. So um, real quickly um before we let you go just talk about um how it is organizing but like we mentioned actually maintaining a life and how you do it without becoming burnt burnt out at sometimes what seems like a never-ending uphill battle to bring peace right so how do you carry yeah on? it's it's a it's an everyday struggle to keep myself and i do have times where i feel extremely burnt out and when i have those times i feel like i need to just take a break i take four or five days i don't even look at the computer, don't read the email. Um, And uh, it's a challenge and trying to keep, uh, give back to my husband the things that he needs to show thanks and gratitude to him. Um, I haven't found all the answers. I'm still trying (laughs) to figure it out. (laughs) Well, um, we're about to um, run out of time. We've got another couple minutes. Before we go, um, tell us, you always do a Golden Gate Bridge walk. You're always out at Creed or Beale. When's the next time um, someone that's listening can come out and join you and meet you on the Golden Gate Bridge or out at Neal or something? What's coming up for you? Well, every second Sunday. So that's this coming Sunday at at noon. We always have our march. And sometimes it's not on second Sunday, so make sure you check. But this, this month it will be. This coming Sunday, you can start on the Marin side or the San Francisco side. We converge in the middle do a little vigil in the middle of the bridge and then we go back to the San Francisco side and have a rally. So we would love listeners to come join us. Yeah. And uh, and then the other big thing is happening in the spring. Uh, last last spring, and as Franklin knows, you were there, we had we con- uh, collaborated with f- uh, four other organizations for a major protest at Creech Air Force Base, the, the most important drone base in the country. And we're going to do it again this coming spring, the last week of March that overlaps into the first couple days of April. starts on March 27th. Where could they find that information? Um, well, if you just go to... Uh, uh, East Bay Code Pink at uh, gmail.com and and write to us and show that you're interested. Uh, we will get the word back to you. It, again, it's East Bay Code Pink at gmail.com. Um, and then also, if you just Google shut down Creech, Creech is spelled C R E E C H. We haven't updated the website for this coming spring, but you'll look and see what we did, uh, what we organized for last spring. Um, and we're starting, it was incredible, the creatures near Las Vegas, we started to connect with the local people. And in the last few months, we've got three new local people that are joining us. So uh, it's, it is starting to grow. 
And then um, lastly, before we go, I wanted to um, get your thoughts on someone we'll also be honoring right now in um, Memorum, and that was Pirate Mike. And I know you've heard about um, Pirate Mike. Some of our listeners may have heard that he was killed in a tragic accident as he was traveling across across the country as part of the March Across America to bring awareness to the plight of homeless vets. And Mike was a part of Occupy San Francisco, Occupy Veterans, and was a big part of saving the Berkeley Post Office. So um, any words on Pirate Mike before we go? Well, I just want to, I didn't know Pirate Mike really well, but I remember him because he seemed to be a human being that was always staying in the positive. And even though he was fighting a really serious battle with uh, trying to get increase awareness about the veterans and the, the crisis that they're under for being sent to these horrible wars abroad, um, that he was always really upbeat and he, he kept the joy in his life. And I'll, I'll never forget his smile. So he was tragically hit by a car on the highway while he was doing his activism pedaling across Texas. And being a bicyclist myself, I realized the hazards of being on a bicycle on the roadway. But uh, I'm so glad that you brought his name forward tonight. He's, he was a special human being. So um, we're out of time. I'm going to send it back to... Um Josiah and Zaki over there. Don't forget, get out to the Golden Gate Bridge. You see Toby. Um, she works hard. Um, tell her hello. Um, thank you. Back to Zaki uh, and Josiah. Thanks so much for the award. I appreciate it. You're welcome. <laughs> Gracias for that interview, Franklin. And thank you, Toby, for coming by the studios. Uh, now, at the beginning of the show, we promised you a special announcement concerning Los Sensontles, and we're very proud to announce that Los Sensontles is also being honored tonight for Full Circle's Local Community Heroes Award. Yes, along with uh, Wanda Sabir, will all, is also being wandered, um, honored with an award tonight. Um, so, Josiah, last year the award was given to Doris Mangrum for her work in helping to stop the madness and for her practical ways of unpacking and um, helping to cease the incarceration crisis. You mentioned earlier... So what we're going to be doing is uh, stay tuned for upcoming episodes of, uh, of Full Circle where we will be giving you information on the what, where, when, who, and why uh, concerning the Los Sensontles Award. And uh, congratulations to our other recipients tonight. Yes, you heard it first here, dear listeners. And that really does bring us to the end of the sh- tonight's show. Our executive producer is Shiro, Miss M. Our technical director is Freewill and Franklin. And our... Uh, and our hero is our shiro is joy moore for our product for her production consulting we have been your host i am zakia gek part yo soy josiah luis buenas noches and thanks to all the community heroes out there you know who you are stay tuned now for la onda bajita